You're listening to The Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio, AM 640. Welcome to another edition of The Dating and Relationship Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. I'm Laura Bellata, your host, and this week we're talking about building stronger relationships. Healthy relationships are a crucial component of health and well-being. There's fascinating evidence that strong relationships contribute to a long, healthy, and happy life. Conversely, they say that the health risks from being alone or isolated in one's life are comparable to the risks associated with cigarette smoking, blood pressure, and obesity. Joining us in studio today is Natasha Sharma. She is a therapist, writer, speaker, and media personality, and the author of The Kindness Journal, a guide to being happier, more fulfilled, and connecting better with others. And my co-host is Sandra Carusi, host of Inside Jokes on Talk Radio AM 640. Hello. Well, welcome to the show, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we, we know that relationships in general are so important for your well-being. Uh, you know, that movie comes to my mind, you know, the one with, uh, what's it called, Cast Away with Tom Hanks, <laughs> where he's on a deserted lo- island, and he's there for a few years, and uh, he creates his own friend, the uh, the volleyball, Wilson. remember? Wilson, Wilson! Wilson. <laughs> so, a survey by the National Bureau of Economic Research of 5,000 people found that doubling your group of friends has the same effect on your well-being as a 50% increase in income. Whoa. Wow. So on the other hand, Natasha, we'll start with you. What can be the outcome of not having relationships or being in an unhealthy relationship? Well, so there's lots of benefits to being in relationships and we're social beings, pardon me, we're social creatures just by nature. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we seem to be bombarded with this message that we need to have somebody that, you know, if you listen to popular music and culture, the lyrics of popular songs suggest that we've got to have somebody in our lives. And there's lots of benefits and there seems to be an adaptive reason for it because we've, you know, if you go back in time, if you didn't have the love and approval and relationships, you might be left out by your tribe. But, you know, fast forwarding to today, we have this idea that we need to have one. But what we really mean to say is that we have a deep-rooted desire for one. And so there's tons of benefits for being in relationships, companionship, marriage, um, um, friendship. Yeah, friendship. Yeah, they offer us um, a lot of health benefits, um, which we can talk about. But it's, I think the trouble we sometimes get ourselves into is where we think we've got to have one in order to be happy. And then that can lead us to sort of feeling a bit desperate and like lead to the idea that we need to have that love and approval in order to be happy. And that I don't agree with. Okay. And why don't you agree with that? Because it's it's not something you need f- to survive. You know, you can, if you actually look around the world, there are plenty of people, and we've all been single probably, you know, at some point. And it is possible to be not in a relationship, not in a romantic relationship, and be happy. But that's not always the message we get. So when we're talking about romantic relationships, um, it's that idea that we got to have one and you've got to give me the love, like whoever it is that happens to be, uh, you know, in a relationship with, that can sometimes get us into trouble. Mm -hmm. 
So what is the outcome, though, of, of having relationships that are unhealthy, though? Like you're stuck in this mm-hmm. unhealthy relationship. What can that do to you? Well, so yeah, being in a toxic or in an unhealthy relationship can have a lot of um, detriment to one's mental health. It would certainly be much more beneficial to be single or alone than to have a bunch of friendships or connections, even if they're friendships, let alone a romantic relationship that is toxic or negative. Um, because toxicity is is contagious. Mm-hmm. And you can, um, it, there's a mirroring aspect. So if we're around people like that, we can become, we can start to envelop those traits into our own being. If you're in a, a romantic relationship or a, a good friendship with someone who, <clears throat> where the relationship is toxic or or unhealthy or dysfunctional, I mean, that can lead to a whole host of mental health issues, um, codependency um, substance abuse, even to soothe, you know, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, mood issues that are a result of a dysfunctional relationship. I, I always um, want to comment. I love citing this uh, Harvard study on um, the key to happiness or the key to success. <clears throat> and it's a 75 year study. It's one of the most uh, revered or and longest running studies. Um, and they studied uh, these 200 plus men in the 1930s they started and these men are now in their 90s and beyond and um what they studied their brain scans their blood levels i mean it was four generations of researchers and what they found the key was the better the relationships they had the better their health and this was something that was uh very important to me because i had various health issues in the past three years and it made sense after my divorce and then a lot of people that i've met with cancer as well that I've been struggling with same thing they've you know it just happens to be these relationship issues leads to some serious uh, disease in your body so Mm -hmm. there is merit to good relationships and ones without toxicity and uh, just to be positive I guess yeah, it improves immune functioning. So just mm-hmm. to add to that, you're absolutely right. Um, healthy people who have healthy functional relationships are shown in the research to have improved immune functioning. So that equals better health, longer life. Okay, let's explore what being in a functional relationship really means, okay? So I've come up with a list of components that I think are really important. And if we can elaborate elaborate on them, that would be great. So let's start with friendship. So, I mean, friendship, I always say that to be in a romantic relationship, you got to be friends first. You do. And I, I, I think that that's the foundation for any good relationship, that you don't just love each other, but you actually like each other. You don't have to like each other all the time. And I, I once heard this famous saying, uh, or, or a couple that was interviewed, you know, after 50 years of marriage, and they were asking these people, what is your secret? And they said, well, okay, we love each other 100% of the time, and we like each other about 80% of the time. <laughs> and it's a point well taken you know, with respect to what it means to be in a healthy relationship, but friendship and actually liking the person that you're with and um, having a lot of things in common with them is really important. Okay, next one. Being patient. Mm -hmm. Being patient is, (laughs) I think, a quality for any function, any any social interaction requires patience and self-regulation. And it's so hard for so many people, patience. Yeah, I think we need to understand, you know, we learn from an early age that we can't always get what we want Mm -hmm. when we want it. And for those of us who don't learn that, run into real trouble. (laughs) Okay, we'll be back after this message. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Talk Radio AM 640. This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio AM 640. 
We're back. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Talk Radio AM 640. Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes is in studio along with Natasha Sharma, a happiness and relationship expert. We're discussing building stronger relationships. And before the break, we were talking about being in a functional relationship and what it really means. Okay, so let's uh, move along here. Being strong for your partner, Natasha, what does that mean? Well, to me, I think being strong is being able to be a source of uh, support. You know, um, studies have shown repeatedly that validation and having someone there to even just listen um, to us talk about our issues or the negative uh, stressful aspects of life is shown to have huge benefits to a point. And so I think being strong is about being able to be a support system or have some strength if your partner's in the, in, in the dumps, you know, and vice versa. So that's part of the beauty of being in a partnership is you can you can have that buffer almost um, if that makes sense and I love this one being able to have your own identity mm-hmm I think it's important. Um, you know, there. I always say to my clients in my therapy practice that there's three entities in a relationship or a marriage there's one person, there's another person, and then there's the relationship or the marriage. So mm. that's, you know, and the two people don't cease to exist just because, the, you know, they come together in a relationship or marriage. And that's really key is that you continue to nurture that individual relationship with yourself. And you can do that at the same time. And having your own um, uh, things that you, you both desire and mm-hmm. you both like in life, right? Well, like I have these uh, friends of mine and they they vowed to each other once they got married that they were going to do everything together. Well, he's still allowed to go golf um, and she goes shopping and stuff, but they don't do anything outside of the marriage without each other. They don't go away without each other. And I look at that and go, oh my goodness, like what would I do without my girl weekends away? Like I mm-hmm. love hanging out with my my yeah. girls it's so therapeutic mm-hmm. but you know what it works for them I was just gonna say if and they've been together them, yeah and if, they've been together for 15 years and it works yeah, for them yeah I, I was gonna say the same thing if they're happy doing that there's no judgment there I think they would probably fall in the minority for sure but there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that um, if, if that's what you know works for them more power and how about this one being your best self Hmm. Someone allowing you to be your best self. See, there's a lot of sort of messaging out there that we need to be, you know, have great, perfect self-esteem before you get into a relationship and be totally comfortable with yourself. And I don't agree with that. I actually think it's it's nice if you can, but it's, and certainly you don't want to be in a bad place because you're likely to pick someone who's maybe not a good match if you're not in a good place. But I think there's a lot to be said for a relationship actually furthering you along that process towards your own Mm self-esteem. And a relationship can really add to that because, again, it's validation. You know, you may have a lot of confidence in yourself, but it's really nice. It's very validating when other people see and agree with you. They they applaud you. They're that support system. They're a cheerleader for you. And I think it can go a long way to helping people, to bringing out the best qualities. I always say a really good, healthy relationship is one where you can give each other what you need and you really bring out the best and sometimes the worst, but you know, you can also bring out the best in each other. So you don't think that you need to be in a good place before you start dating? I think you need to be in a, in a reasonable place. But I don't think you have to have it all together, which is, seems to be the message. I think it's okay. That's my message. Oh, oh. <laughs> what, what is it? <laughs> well, my message is I always uh, promote that I think that you should be in a really good place before you start dating because you don't want to bring your baggage to another mm-hmm. relationship. But, I like, but, but, you, but you will. Yes. To, to say that you won't bring baggage, I think, is a little unrealistic. Well, not necessarily because I didn't bring any 
baggage into my relationship. Well, so if by baggage we mean that we're hung up and that the yes. past is unresolved, that's, that's going to be a problem. But we all come with a history. Mm-hmm. Well, and of a course. Story. We're, and yeah. nobody's perfect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I just like, thank you, Natasha, for getting everybody off the hook because for saying off the top, if you're not fully, have your fully self-esteem back, don't worry. And that sort of thing. Because I think there's a lot of pressure to, like you said, there's a lot of self-help books out there, which I love. And I've read every single one. And, um, but, you know, but then there's a balance between what Laura says, like, you have to be ready as well. So I guess it's finding that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. a, yeah, finding the balance. Okay, so uh, with self, in in terms of self-esteem then, how can you increase your own self-esteem, let's say, and boost your own self-worth then and your confidence within that relationship? I think it's about, you know, it's a good question. It's about staying true to yourself as an individual in addition to who you are with that person. So you always have an identity with that person. And again, that goes back to you as a unit, you know, you as a couple. But then you have yourself and your individual things that that person, that other person, your significant other may not share. So it's continuing to nurture those aspects of you that are are make you uniquely you and continuing to run with what makes you a you know, an awesome person, your strengths, your, your, your traits and qualities that, that the world loves. So I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in uh, there? Well, that there's such thing as the one? I, I don't. <laughs> I, the five? How about the five? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't. I don't think there's one I person. Agree. For yeah, you. I think this has been debunked. Well, I think there's one for a specific time in your life. So mm-hmm. I think the mistake people make, and I'd love, I'd love a professional's advice on this finally. But I think the mistake we make just because someone's good for us right now, we think that might be the person forever, mm-hmm. and they might be just there for that time in your life, and mm-hmm. you have to accept or let go. And this could be a friendship or a partner, right? Yeah. Actually, some recent research has come out about friendships to say that approximately every five years or so, we tend to do a bit of a of a, of a recycling, like a, du- <laughs> a dump. And and um, 80 to 90% of friendships become kind of recycled because we change and we grow and we evolve. And when we're in a relationship with a, a romantically, you're making a very conscious uh, decision to stay with someone long-term. And you're right. There's no such thing as the one. Relationships are very much about timing and proximity Mm -hmm. and that is true for both friendships and romantic relationships Hmm. proximity natasha how do we find a partner that's the most compatible with us i think by opening up knowing exactly uh what people desire so knowing what you desire and what you the kind of person you are and then managing the expectations that you have of other people so you need to have a bit of a connection uh, certainly a minimum amount of things that you may have in common or that you connect on but you don't have to connect on everything and I think the idea and uh, do you share the same morals and values exactly exactly so you can have lots of differences in your surface stuff you know different tastes in music different um, you know uh, hobbies and that kind of thing but the the core of how you see the world how you see your future that needs to be shared if you're going to get into a long-term relationship and just oh and just quickly proximity theory is Mm -hmm. a theory when you said proximity is important Mm -hmm. proximity theory is the interpersonal relationships that come about from people being close to each other so this happens in the workplace and i've been in radio 25 years i married someone i i'm and divorce someone I met in radio, but there's a lot of marriages in radio because we spend so much time yep. together and a lot of industries are like that, but then it also, right, it applies to where you live. Absolutely. And so if you meet someone in your small town, so does that mean if you grew up in another town, you wouldn't have 
if you met them, maybe you wouldn't have married them. I, I tell clients sometimes that uh, if my husband and I hadn't met, we would have picked other people and they just, they're floored by that. Wow. And it's, but that's the reality. I mean, mm-hmm. we would have picked, uh, you, you'll pick from your immediate circumference or the radius um, usually. And because you need quality time, you need mm-hmm. a, a certain amount of time. And this has been shown in the research, proximity and opportunities to interact. And that comes with being in a certain mm-hmm. um, geographical space okay we have to take a break more with our guests after the break you're listening to the dating and relationship show on talk radio am 640 now back to the dating and relationship show with laura bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio, AM 640. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. We're giving advice on building stronger relationships with Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes and relationship therapist Natasha Sharma. Now, there's no hiding that men and women are different in many ways. Oh, yeah. Uh, including how they communicate. So communication is an important part of a relationship. So, so much that when your communication breaks down, so does your relationship. So let's take a look at the different communication styles and examples and offer some solutions to help men and women communicate better. So Natasha, let's start with example number one. Well, so first I want to, I think I want to say that men have, the, there's a myth about men that they don't communicate well. Yeah, you which, have the myth. Yes, I which you. I disagree with because I think men communicate very well with other men. <laughs> and women right. women mm-hmm. communicate very well with other women. Mm. We just don't communicate very well with each other. How about this other myth uh-huh. that men don't listen? Yeah, I, I think that they've Because been... I think most... Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. <laughs> but I find that men... Uh, maybe they just tune you out because they're not interested. But I find that they Uh-oh. tune people out a lot. Techie Tom is saying no. What do you say over there, Dean and Tom? Like you want to? I'm writing a new Trojina commercial. <laughs> yeah, we weren't really listening. What's going? Oh, sorry, what? <laughs> See, well okay. done, Natasha. Is that a myth, or do they I, you listen? Know, I think it depends on the guy. I think just like women, men have gotten their share of sort of stereotypes that have gone viral, so to speak, and really taken a hold for a strong hold on them. But I think men communicate very well with other men. But their goal in relationships, in my view, is to have low frustration, low stress. And a woman's goal, generally speaking, is to bond. And this is where we differ. I think I operate like a man. <laughs> yes. So this is where we run into a lot of issues. And another difference is that women are very perceptual. So I do a lot of intelligence testing and and looking at cognitive skills. And females tend to score very high on nonverbal spatial reasoning, um, nonverbal communication, translation. We pick up on cues, facial expressions, Mm -hmm. nonverbal language, body language, much easier or more instinctively than men do. (laughs) You can say that again. That's right. So we can like, and we we tend, and men are very verbal. And how I can relate that now is when guys, uh, you know, they think some girl, she looks over at him and he's like, oh, that girl, she's into me. She thinks I'm hot. Yeah, I know women who do that too. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, more. that's me. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, like men are verbal. I think they like to be 
you know, it, it needs to be said out loud. I'll give you a, a funny example. When I was expecting my first, um, I was very uncomfortable and I was kind of making these like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, it was sort of far along in the pregnancy. And my husband and I were sitting down watching TV one night and I was like, oh, you know, and I was expect my girlfriends would have been like, are you OK? Mm-hmm. Can I do something for you? Do you want some tea? Can I rub you? And I'm waiting for him and I'm expecting him. See, I'm expecting him to communicate with me and treat me like my friends would, like my female friends would. But he's a guy. So this escalated where I started to get antsy because he's not giving me what I need. And finally, we had a little bit of a, of a, of a you know, an, an, ex- yeah. an exchange. Right? Yeah. And then I finally told him, you know what, I, I really need you to just like sort of cuddle me and, and, and give me some like nice soft words right now. I'm, I'm huge and I'm uncomfortable. And he's like, well, why didn't you just say so? Mm-hmm. And it's like with, you know, it's kind of like the old adage with a guy, you need to have like a, a, a knife stuck in your thigh and the blood mm-hmm. running down your leg before they'll rush you to the hospital. Mm-hmm. But, but it's it it's it needs to just be said. They like to be told, and I'm speaking generally, but they tend to be very verbal. Women tend to be very nonverbal. And I've had experiences with guys not being very sympathetic when I've been sick. You know, I've had a I recently had a panic attack, and I was just pacing, and I'm going, you know, Dean, I think I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> the I think Italian, I'm dying. the Italian and old lady like, came out. He's and like, you. <laughs> no, you're fine, you're fine, and he goes back down to watch the hockey game. I'm like, no, listen, like at least can you talk to me? Can but you hang talk on. to me? I had to call my sister to calm me down. Were you I okay? I was though? dying. Yes, I was. But what but, he did was actually good sometimes. No, because my ex used to do he that. He could have at least talk to me right and talk okay. to me empathy. out of it right had yeah. a little bit more empathy yeah that's right re- that's right be a little bit more empathetic for goodness sakes i could have been dying i'm like what if i had died <laughs> the best, but it's it goes back to like <laughs> expecting thinking that you're going to communicate with him the way you would with your girlfriends because your girlfriends would have done exactly that versus had you said um I, you know what? I'm feeling really crappy right now. I need you to do this. You so, know, so guys, take me seriously. Be a little bit more empathetic, okay? <laughs> and what could women be? Uh, in my opinion, more not more so di- naggy, more direct. Yes. No, more direct in communication and so. our needs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Just say what you want. Say what you ask for it. I think mm-hmm. a lot. There's a lot of stigma and shame around, you know, women asking for what they need, or just people asking for what you need in a relationship. We're not mind readers. Sometimes mm. we intuitively know because we've been with a person for a really long time, and we know them. We know what they like. We know what they need. And sometimes you can be married for thirty years and still need to ask your partner for like, I really need you to do this for me right now. And then they'll they're happy to do it. You know, just ask for it. And if you love someone, that's the expression of love. I can do that for you. I will do it for you because I love you. Okay, let's give another example. How about when men go into their caves? It's like, yeah. Well, so I can give you a funny example of how they communicate differently in terms of low frustration and bonding. So here's an example of, you know, a woman wants to go out on a date and she wants to pack up a picnic lunch and walk, you know, a mile to a beautiful orchard and lay out a, a, a blanket and, and with her with her boyfriend or her husband and, and eat the picnic and watch the sunset. And eat the, the picnic. Sorry, <laughs> eat, the, eat the picnic uh-huh. lunch and watch the sunset. <laughs> and the guy's thinking... Why would I do all that? Why would I spend all this time pulling together this lunch, walking all this way, sitting under a tree where I could sit at my kitchen table, eat my picnic lunch (laughs) with my wife or girlfriend and watch the game? And what he's not understanding is that it's not about the lunch for her. It's about the bonding. bonding. So I think it's about... And and the paying attention to her. Right. And and just, just that quality time, that experience together. And with men, they want quality time too, but they want it, they're, they're willing to have it with less frustration. 
again, men, t- generally speaking, tend to want less stress, less frustration, but I less wanna, drama. But I want to talk about when a man gets upset, and I have a, a lot of experience with this as well. You know what? We're going to take a break, and we'll, we'll get back to this when we come back. You're listening to Talk Radio AM 640, the dating and relationship show. We'll be right back. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio AM 640. You're getting expert advice right here on the Dating and Relationship Talk Show on Radio AM 640. Joining me today is Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes yes. and relationship expert <laughs> Tasha Sharma. <laughs> you're killing me, Sandra. I'm but, sorry. I'm really excited. This is a great show. If you're not listening, if you just tuned in, this is an awesome show. Yeah, Sandra's like doing flips over here, <laughs> honestly, on the break. Okay, so before the break, we were discussing different communication styles between men and women with examples, and we're offering tips to help men and women communicate better. And uh, before the break, I, I was talking about when men go in their caves. And what I mean by that is when a man gets upset in a relationship, he tends to go off on his own and he does not want to talk to you. He has want nothing wants nothing to do with you and I've come across this and I didn't understand it at the time but it made me really insecure because I didn't know I'm like is he gonna break up with me like how mad is he like he, he's telling me he's gonna leave me and he won't speak for like a couple of days so what can you say about that why do men do that and why is it so important um, for women to you know leave him and have his time alone well I think if anyone's shutting down for a couple of days it's not probably not a good thing but if they need like an hour or so or maybe a couple of hours it's okay I think it's speaking generally men again tend to maybe have, it's me a couple days I'm like holy moly look internal well that hasn't happened in a few years okay <laughs> I've learned a lot but I think you know I've I've known women in my practice too who, who have been in that that's they've been the distancer it's called pursuer distancer in psychology in relationship uh, therapy oh and, mm-hmm. It's called so, something? Pursuer distancer. So <laughs> the person who's retreating has a lower thre- threshold for frustration and, and the distress. And that could be the man. It's typically the man, but it could be a woman as well. Okay. And the other person has the sort of natural inclination to, to, to pursue. So you have distance, pursue, distance, pursue, because there's attachment theory behind that. There's the fear of the loss and sort of like going after that and again, believing that you know, there's a threat to livelihood if you lose that relationship, which is the core problem. So if someone it needs to retreat for a little while, best thing is to let them do it. You want to, it needs to be within reason, though. I would say a couple of days is certainly beyond reason. Um, and again, you don't want to pursue someone who needs distance. You want to give them some space, just a little bit of time. Sometimes all it takes is 10 minutes and then regroup. <laughs> If I, I have a friend that won't talk to her, her husband for like two months. See, if he pissed, she that's pissed. crazy. That's ridiculous. That's he crazy. pisses her off. He should, whoever the, the I mean, I, I wouldn't stand for that. I don't think can, that that's healthy in any way, shape, or Can form. I quote Natasha from her book, which I, I love this quote. So it's the kindness journal, six minutes a day to your happiest you. And, um, and there's so many quotes like from Ram Das, who I love. By the way, do you know him? No, well, not personally. No, he's in Toronto. Yeah. You know that? I, know. I, don't I have a know friend, a friend who knows him. Oh, I know wow. all these people. Anyway, <laughs> but you quote everybody in here, and I like your quote. It says, strive to be happy instead of right. Mm. Right, Laura? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, see? You're trying I've to often right. asked couples that hey, when they're fighting right, and fighting. Hey, listen. You're always right. <laughs> you guys, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Right. And, and, and there's a beautiful quote, another one in there by Rumi, which is out between right and wrong, there's a place. 
a field and I'll meet you there because we see the world sometimes is so black and white, you know, it's either right or wrong. And really a lot of our lives are in gray and subjectivity. And that's a huge part of being in a healthy relationship as well, in my opinion. So do you have any more um, communication patterns that you want to talk about or should we get, get on to the next subject? What do you think? Um, I, th- I think we've covered it. Like that's, yeah, okay. that's, those are the main right, things. And I just want to clarify, because Laura, in your book, Single in the City, yes. you talk about the five languages of love. Yes. So that's not the same as the communication. No, thing. it's different. It is. Because yeah. it's acts of service and other things, right? Yeah. And we've talked about that a lot. Do you agree with the love languages? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, I, I distill it down to being able to give, love is about giving your partner what they need. And want. Exactly. What they need, what they, actually what they want. Um, it's a better word. Uh, we could do a whole segment on need versus want. But anyway, I think it's really We'll crucial. have you on again. <laughs> to to be able to you know know how you interpret love and loving actions love is an action it is not a feeling it is not a thought it's no good if it's just you know up inside of your head no one can see that it's very much an action okay so let's talk about setting relationship boundaries okay mm-hmm. so how can a relationship be impacted or damaged by toxic outside influences well, I've seen entire marriages break down because of this, um, whether it be parents or in-laws or extended family members. And, you know, depending on the culture, the unique family, there could be a lot of over-involvement in, into a person's relationship. And we see that in certain cultures, you know, backgrounds where, um, you know. Italian? Sorry. South Asian. Well, I'm Ita- South Asian. You know, we see that yes. a lot in my culture as well. And so a good relationship um and they're, they're more accepting of it in the home countries, but it still has the same effect. That's the funny thing. You know, it still has the same effect on the couple. So universally speaking, this, um, you know, over-involvement is is negative for a relationship. It's just we, we tend to, they tend to accept it more traditionally in other cultures. So, you know, a healthy relationship is one where if you feel trespassed, if you feel as though there are too many parties involved in the decision making in your relationship and this this is different for every couple then the couple needs to be able to come together and regroup and make sure that they're putting themselves first so detaching from birth families is usually at the core of this where one person is unable to detach their loyalties from Mm. their parents or their siblings and transfer that over to their partner and then their nuclear family which is the family that they create and they need to again universally this has been shown you need to be able to put that those relationships first okay let's reiterate that's very important when you hook up with someone and you are a partner you're you're married or whatever in a relationship you need to put that relationship before your family relationship of course correct if it's advanced to a point where it's it's serious and you're very serious in your commitment and marriage for sure no and and it seems so common laura like common sense but this, I know, I have a friend in this situation. He's run into his family the second they call. They've been together 10 years. I was in the situation too. I, 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 and really it's such too. a turnoff. We've yes. all been there. So many people. Really? Yeah, it's, it's something Primary that's really common. And that's why we want, we want to talk about it. Okay, so what are some ways that we can deal with this? Like, you know, if you're experiencing this and um, how, how can, yeah, what advice can you give to people experiencing this right now? Well, it helps to have a supportive partner, and that mm. starts with discussing with your partner if you have an issue. Let's say it's your husband and his parents are, um, you know, getting involved with what religion your child should be or, or, or what school they need to go to, and you want to make that decision, and, and they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, suffocating you. It starts with talking to your partner 
and saying, I'm not cool with this. Where do you, what do you feel about it? And, you know, how can we talk to them together? Do you want me to talk to them? I think ultimately it's about having a conversation with whoever you think is trespassing on your boundaries and letting them know that you need them to be different. And sometimes in the worst, most extreme cases, you might need to distance yourself from those people if they can't pull ouch, themselves ouch, together. And that's yeah. tough. That's it is tough. so tough. It's, it's such a tough situation. It is hugely tough. But Certain cultures, it won't happen though. It won't. And then it's much to the distress and dismay of the of the mm-hmm. people. Like they will continue to allow and allow and allow and allow. And in the end, And I think it's important unhealthy. too to hash all this out before you get married, right? Hash it all out. Yeah. You know? You can't know everything people are going to do. Well, but yeah, it's... It, it, if you're dating someone for quite a while, I mean, yes, you're right. You can get you a can, sense of it. Yes, mm-hmm. you can get a sense. Okay, we have to take a break. Um, you're getting advice right here from the experts on the dating and relationship show on Talk Radio AM 640. Now, back to the dating and relationship show with Laura Bellata. From singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio, AM 640. This is Laura Bellotta and you're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. In studio, we have Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes and Natasha Sharma, therapist and relationship expert. Um, now, we tend to get complacent in relationships. So how important is it to let your partner know... Um, they are still doing it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we all get there after a certain amount of time, um, taking a person for granted, their presence, their, their, just their them being there. And um, there's something called effort justification in psychology. And it, it basically is a principle that um, means that the more effort we put into something, the more we value it. So if you are not putting effort into your relationship, and I define effort as nurturing it, you know, you don't have to do this 24 seven, you don't have to do it to a fault. But if you stop doing that, and this is where so many of my long term couples that come into practice to see me in practice, um, they they've dropped the ball on this, and they've sort of lost that spark. And it's because they've forgotten to continue to put that effort into the relationship, whether it's, you know, scheduling um, time together to do nothing, you know, together, just, just take a walk. And and we, we take that for granted over time. It's very common. If you put effort into something, you will value it more. Therefore, put more effort into your relationship, you'll value it more. Wow. So let's give examples of how we can keep the relationship vibrant mm-hmm. and happening and exciting and loving. <laughs> I think part of it is managing expectations, right? A long, long-term relationship isn't going to feel the same um, as it will in those first few months. Like it's very difficult to, I think, recapture all of that. But it is possible to capture moments of that, you know, have snippets of that. Because when, you, when you're sharing a life together, there's all aspects of your day-to-day life that come into it. So I think it's tailoring expectations. But keeping the spark alive you know, is about understanding that you're not going to feel that way about your partner 100% of the time and that that is totally okay. You know, sometimes you guys will literally be the business partners or parents or whatever it will be, you know, just keeping your, your little organization going, which is your household. And then other days or other moments, you'll have, you know, 
a romantic interlude you'll be able to feel like you've you've escaped back into that time so I think it's 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 about having a good balance in your mind and I know a lot of people are uh, strong believers in having a date night Mm -hmm. like once a week and I think that that's probably really hard to do especially when you have kids and you've got so much Mm -hmm. going on and one kid's going off to hockey another one's going off to dance and you know having date night is so difficult What, what do you have to say about that I think it's hard to manage because it puts the expectation then you feel guilty right if you miss it because God forbid life should get in the way, mm-hmm. then you miss it. Then now all of a sudden you're feeling guilty. Oh my God, I missed date night. So I think it's more about um, making very conscious, concerted effort to connect. And connecting doesn't have to be on a date over dinner outside of your home. I mean, that's wonderful. And mm-hmm. everyone enjoys that and we should do it. But it, it can be as simple as making eye contact, putting cell phones down, cooking a meal together and talking. Mm-hmm. Putting you know? cell phones down. And don't Ooh, talk about the heart- kids. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a huge one. Yes. That, that's such a huge one. I mean, I have kids. I have two very young kids, mm-hmm. my husband and I, and even we struggle and we'll catch ourselves out mm-hmm. and say, like, let's, can we just stop talking about the kids? They're asleep now. Let's, mm-hmm. let's not do it. Do you know what? I, I cheated there because we have the parenting show with Pina Crispo, which is on earlier, and we talked about um, mm-hmm. date night with Cheryl Hickey from ET Canada. She was our guest and she felt guilty going on date nights and we we talked mm-hmm. about it with an expert, the importance of it. And uh, even Natasha, who's an expert herself, it's you struggle with it as a parent, but you got to put it aside. You got to mm-hmm. do it. Okay, I have another question. So how, what if they're not doing it for you anymore, your partner? <gasps> you Can don't, I... but you don't want to leave them because, you know, you, you want to stay in that relationship. You want to make it work, but they're just not doing it for you. Well, I think you have to ask yourself what you mean by they're not doing it for me. Well, so not, what is okay. that? Okay. I'll what tell you, I, I, there's a mom, chic mama. So from the parenting show, her blog. So a woman wrote in and said, my husband just told me last night, I don't do it for him, but he likes the way I take care of the house and take care of the kids. <laughs> I said, oh, he likes a nanny and a house cleaner. How fantastic. So other people were going, oh, he must be cheating or something. And people were giving her advice. And how do you hear that from a partner? I mean, that's horrible. If but it's a reality. Yeah. It's a reality. It's, some, sometimes that happens. And I think, it, it, you know, if, if each person in the relationship defines what terms of the relationship, you know, I come from a South Asian background, as I said, and in my culture, I mean, I was born and raised in Canada, but I'm very familiar with this traditional aspects. And, you know, back in going into the history, people would marry for companionship. And so uh, I'm not saying this that this is what I prefer, but I think it's about the two people in the relationship. So if they're okay with those terms where maybe they, they don't have as romantic or sexual a relationship, but the key is both parties have to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Because if one person isn't doing it for the other one, the other one wants it to be done. <laughs> okay, it's but not what if both so what parties yeah. want it? If if both parties no they, one they, if both parties want to keep the spark alive but it's not there for one if it's not there for one I think they need to ask themselves why you know again ex- that's an exploration if you're if you're leaving a marriage or a long term relationship you want to maybe understand and do some self reflection as to why it's okay sometimes this happens I've seen this in my practice too where people come in they don't hate their partner it's not that their partner's mean they're and bored. They're, they're, Whatever it is, they're bored. Or they have an emotional relationship with someone else. This is usually, I'll be honest, this is usually the... um, texting. This is usually the case. 
it's usually the case in my clients where they have met as teenagers. And I'm not saying that mm-hmm. there's there's lots of value to high school romance and like knowing someone your whole life. But I will tell you this. In my practice, most of these people tend to be people who have met when they were 16, 17, known each other their whole lives, have never really done any exploration. And do you blame them really? No. I, I would. I always say I would never have been able to do that. I would no. never have so been able to get married at a young age so and stay much. together. I'd be so bored. Well, so much change and personality Evolution. develops over yeah. your 20s that... Um, you know, studies have shown that, especially in the modern age, you know, so we're, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's better, but certainly it's sometimes more challenging when you've only had that one relationship. Mm. Okay. We need to take a break more from our expert, Natasha and Sandra. (laughs) (laughs) When we come back, you're listening to talk radio AM 640. This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio AM 640. I'm here with my real estate friend, Holly Garvey-Penny. What's up with HGP's tips and trends today? Hi, Sandra. We talked before about getting your finances in order for buyers. Well, today's tip is for sellers to get their finances in order before they list, including a conversation about bridge financing. What do you mean? In today's hot market, make sure that you're not walking away from a fabulous offer just because the closing date is a couple of days or weeks later than the closing date of the property you already purchased. It's not as costly as you think, and it'll give you some peace of mind with pre-approved bridge financing options. For anyone that I can help, call or email me with any questions. Call her now, hgp at bosleyrealestate.com, 416-322-8000. Thanks, Sandra. Now, back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Talk Radio, AM 640. I'm Laura Bellata. Thanks for tuning in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes is with me, along with therapist Natasha Sharma. Natasha, I have one more question for you, and that's about forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. Why forgiveness is so important for a healthy relationship and for ourselves. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you're in a relationship with someone, you're going to piss each other off once in a while. It's going to happen, and you know, as long as it's something that's within your 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 boundaries, and 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 it's not something that becomes a deal breaker, you got to let stuff go. And I think people think that forgiving someone for something is about saying it's okay. So they associate forgiveness with a a green flag or a green light on what they've done. And I always try and change that mental dialogue when they mm-hmm. come to see me, which is, no, for, that's not what forgiveness is about. Forgive, forgiveness is about letting it go and understand, putting it in the past. Why is it so important for yourself? For yourself, because it, you need to be okay. There's only one source of unconditional love. And that's to you. There's no such thing as unconditional love with anyone else, not with a partner, not with your children, not with your spouse, not with your parents. All relationships have conditions except for the one that you have with yourself. So no matter, you can't get rid of yourself and still be around. So you might as well love yourself no matter what you've done. Sandra has experience with this. Go. Which part? With your, how you uh, forgave your ex. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, my For the sake of my health, I mean, when you're fighting cancer, you're looking for any way to get out. And there, because I found so many links, like that study I, I researched, talked about earlier, the Harvard study, between health and that I had to forgive my ex and read the Forgiveness Project and really let go of a lot of issues that I had resentment for, mm-hmm. which were not serving me or him and or And what did kids. it do for you? 
it helped me. I've just got a good bill of health, so Woo-hoo! I'm feeling. I know. Yes, we're celebrating today. It was Sandra's that healthy. There was a lot of things involved. I just don't want to say it's that one thing, but getting cutting through and letting go of that bad relationship really uh, helped my I health. Bet, I bet you felt so much lighter. Yeah, it like, didn't serve a purpose. Lighter, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and some people still don't get that. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. and that does not mean that you will condone or get back with your ex in any no, way, shape, or form. Absolutely That's, not. It, it's not about that at all. But the forgiveness <laughs> is, you know what? It's fine. Whatever went down That's is right. fine. Yeah, and okay, I'm right. That's our show for today. Thanks again, Sandra Carusi from Inside Jokes, and this week's guest, Natasha Sharma, for joining us. Natasha's book, The Kindness Journal: A Guide to Being Happier, More Fulfilled, and Connecting Better with Others, is available on Amazon. Follow us on Facebook, Dating and Relationship Show, for more guest information and information on previous shows. Tune in again next Sunday night on the Dating and Relationship Show right here on Talk Radio AM 640. I'm Laura Bellotta of Single in the City. Ciao for now.